This is Church of the Resurrection in Wheaton, Illinois. This week's sermon is by Father Brett Kroll. About a century ago, a man named George Gershwin wrote a song that was later popularized by Ella Fitzgerald called Somebody to Watch Over Me, Someone to Watch Over Me. Uh, Here follows some of the lyrics from that song. There's a somebody I'm longing to see. I hope that he turns out to be someone who'll watch over me. I'm a little lamb who's been lost in the wood. I know I could always be good to one who'll watch over me. Do you ever feel like an imposter or a phony? Like somebody made a mistake to allow you to become a grown-up or give you any kind of responsibility, and you're always looking over your shoulder wondering, when are they going to figure it out that I don't know what I'm doing? I feel that way often, uh, about every time I preach especially. And sometimes I want to look up to the sky and just say, permission to be a little needy. Permission to be simple and slow sometimes, and, and can I even say, maybe feel a little dumb sometimes. Permission to not always be on top of everything. Permission to get a little frazzled, easily frightened, confused, or overwhelmed. Permission to still want someone to take care of me. As I keep going on this list, I have this sinking feeling that all of you are out there thinking, nope, I have no idea what you're talking about. You must be a loser. Uh, About a year ago, my Caroline was six, and she was baking bread from scratch and from memory. And and it turned out really well. And I looked at her and said, Caroline, that's amazing. You are well on your way to adulthood. She just turned to me and she said, yeah, because what kind of adult would you be if you couldn't bake bread? (laughs) Yo, well, I I don't know how to bake bread. I know how to break bread. Does that count? (laughs) Permission to be an adult, still information. Permission to be a disciple, still information. Permission to still need someone to watch over me. And I feel like the text that we heard read from the Gospel of John this morning is Jesus' answer to you and to me and all of us saying, permission granted, my little one, my little sheep. I will take care of you. I will lead you, and, and I will even use you, child though you be, to do incredible things and to take care of others if you follow my voice. Sheep though you are, you will shepherd others. Even while I shepherd you, you'll always be my lamb. Jesus, our good shepherd, is trustworthy because he's capable of caring for and he has the compassion to care about his sheep. I say care for and care about. He not only cares for that outward attention to our practical needs, our physical needs, what we need for life and wholeness and health. He cares for us, but also that caring about, that He knows our inner needs, the need to be loved, the need to be known, the need to receive kindness, tenderness, and affection. In the 34th chapter of the book of Ezekiel, God sends the prophet to the false shepherds of Israel, to the king and the royal family, to the priests and the priestly class. And he comes against them with his indictment. He says, you have failed in your job as shepherds. You're false shepherds. He says, are you not shepherds? Should you not be feeding the sheep? And yet instead, you feed yourselves and you neglect the sheep. You do not attend to them. And even worse, you actually prey on the sheep. 
And he goes off and he listens. He says, this is what you ought to be doing. You ought to be feeding the sheep. You ought to be strengthening the weak, binding up the injured, healing the sick. You should be going after those who are straying, and you should be rescuing those who are lost. And you ought to rule with gentleness, but instead you've ruled with harshness. You are false shepherds, and I am against you, says the Lord. And then he prophesies, and he says, therefore, I myself will come, and I will shepherd my people. I will take care of them. I will feed them with justice, and they will be my people, and I will be the Lord. So John, when he's writing and he's, he's relaying Jesus' teachings, clearly has Ezekiel 34 in his background as he's writing. So turn to John 10. We'll be studying there this morning. And here in John 10, Jesus declares, I am the good shepherd. I am the one the prophecy was speaking of. I've come now to fulfill that prophecy to shepherd my people. I myself have come. In chapter 10, verses 1 through 18, Jesus is teaching, and in this teaching, he's distinguishing between the true ministry of the true shepherd and the false shepherds. So, starting in verse 3, to him, that is to the shepherd, the gatekeeper will open. The sheep will hear the shepherd's voice because he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he's brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Then jumping to verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And again in verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own. My own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. So Jesus is telling us what true shepherding looks like He says, I'm not only prepared to give my life in defense of the flock. He says, I actually knew this was why I was coming to the earth. I'm not just ready to do it. I've come to do that very thing, to lay down my life that they might have life. And he distinguishes in this passage between those who are false shepherds. First, he talks about those who are hired hands. He says, the hired hand will run away at the first sign of a wolf or danger because the sheep do not belong to him. He doesn't care about them. They're not his own. And the hired hand represents those who are selfish and uncaring leaders. They're incapable shepherds. But he also talks about wolves and thieves who come in to prey upon the flock. He said these are like selfish and malicious leaders, lacking all compassion. And as he describes them, we certainly hear in the background the false shepherds of Ezekiel 34 and the indictments that were laid out against them. In verses 19 to 21, we have the reaction of the crowd. Some thought he was crazy. They said, why listen to him? It's interesting, right? This passage, listening is really important. Jesus says, my sheep listen to me. They hear my voice. But there were some who said, why listen to him? He's crazy. He has a demon. But others are saying, he has done works that no one else has done from the beginning of the world. How could he be crazy? Verses 22 to 30 Now Jesus shifts from talking about the true shepherd and false shepherd to who are the true sheep and what is their relationship with the shepherd. This actually happens at a different time. Later on in the year, it's it's the 
Feast of Dedication, which is Hanukkah. Again, he's in the temple. They surround him and they say, why are you keeping us in suspense? Are you the Messiah or not? Tell us plainly. He says, I have told you plainly. The works that I am doing declare that I am from the Father, but the reason you don't believe in me, he says, you're not my sheep. You don't belong to me. That's why you can't hear my voice. But then he says in verse 27, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. And the remainder of this chapter then is, again, the people reacting to what he said, some of them extremely angry. They were trying to kill him, stone him to death because of this statement, I and the Father are one. And that he's saying, the Father who's greater than all and I myself have the same power of no one can snatch the sheep out of our hands. So he's making himself equal to the Father, and they don't like it. They're trying to kill him. Much could be said on this. An entire hour lecture could be uh, given on that verse alone, verse 30, where Jesus says, I and the Father are one. It was keystone and a linchpin verse in the early church, along with the beginning of the Gospel of John, in order for the church to understand and really articulate the full divinity of Christ, that He was as God, as much God, equal to God, as the Father. Key verse. We're not going to spend time on that this morning. Instead, we will spend our time talking about the true sheep and their relationship to the shepherd. What does he as the shepherd do? What do we as the sheep do? So what does the shepherd do? Six things that our passage tells us that that the good shepherd does. Look in verse 27. The first thing the shepherd does is he calls. My sheep hear my voice. But we wouldn't hear if he wasn't first calling. Uh, there was a man named C.T. Wilson who went to the Holy Land over a century ago, and, and he kept a diary of, of everything that happened there. And he tells a story that one night he was camping uh, with his crew out in the rural area of the countryside, and they had a, a ring of tents all circling up. And as darkness came on and the evening was at hand, about five different flocks of sheep and goats came into that tent circle. And for warmth and for safety, they all came within the side of the circle. They spent the night there. And then in the morning, instead of walking through the the crowd of of goats and sheep and trying to separate out, this one belongs to you, this one's mine, over there. Instead, he said, what happened is the shepherds got up and they went to the outside of the circle. And then each one called with his special call. Every shepherd had their own unique call. Sometimes it was something they would do with their voice, a song they would sing. Sometimes they would have a reed pipe or a little flute. And the melody that they played was unique so that each sheep that belonged to them would hear the melody and go to the shepherd. So as they're playing, all the sheep and the goats just sort themselves, line up behind their shepherds, and then go off in the different directions to the countryside to feed. So the shepherd calls with his unique tune, with his unique melody. Second thing the shepherd does is he knows. Again, verse 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them. So not only does the shepherd have a unique call, but he also knows the name that is unique to each sheep. 
To us, all sheep look the same, but the shepherd can look at each sheep and, and know who is who. And I, I can identify a little bit uh, as a father of identical twin girls. I know that none of you can tell them apart without their glasses, and, and that's okay. That They're not upset or, or confused or offended by that. But for, for Julie and for me, with or without glasses, if I'm looking them in the face, not only can I tell them apart, I actually can't confuse them. It's impossible for me to look at Caroline and think, is this Teresa? Or to look at Teresa and think, is this Caroline? Because I've known them from the time they were born. I've studied their face since they came into the world. He knows our names. Uh, it, verse 3, I'll read it again. The sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. So one by one, he stands at, at the gate calling the sheep. They follow him. And it reminds me of that psalm that talks about the Lord numbering the stars and calling them each by name. And if you, in high school you, you remember ever laying out on a trampoline with your friends and just looking up at the sky, and indeed that's what it's like, one by one the stars appear in the sky. It's magical, and you can almost imagine the Lord standing there, naming each one and calling it out. Bill, Jerry, Stella. Okay, he probably has more majestic names for the stars. Thanks be to God. But that grandness, he knows the stars, he calls them by name. It's also granular. He knows each one. His power is also personal. The same God who made the heavens and the earth, He knows your name. And it's not just your name that He knows. He knows everything about you. And when we hear Him speak our name, that's actually when we know ourselves. It reminds me also of the story of Mary Magdalene at the tomb on the resurrection morning. She's there, and she's confused, and she's actually talking with Jesus, but she doesn't recognize that it's Him because of His glorified resurrection body. And at what point does she recognize that it's Him? Mary, He says her name. Rabbi, it's you. He knows everything about you. He sees you. You probably know the feeling of being overlooked or unseen. This is why it's so important for us to love one another. The Bible says we, we can't see God, and that's why sometimes we, we feel maybe unseen by Him, but we can see one another. And when we love one another, it's as if God is looking at us. And the voice of my brother or my sister, the face of my brother or, or sister, the way that they serve me or I serve them, communicates that love so that He's no longer unseen. Here at Resurrection, we talk about the gift of prophecy functioning in this way. You've heard us teach on this this year, that the unique uh, function of prophecy is that whether it's on the side and you're receiving somebody pray over you or whether it's prophecy from up front, when the Lord is prophesying, it's as if He is speaking right to you, saying things that no one else could know or say. He knows how to reach into your heart in a way that only He knows how. One of the exciting things coming out of this Holy Week is I feel like this year, more than any other year, I've heard more and more reports of this very thing happening, of people coming to me and saying, I want to tell you what happened for me in Holy Week. Somebody was praying for me, and they were saying things that I haven't even had the courage to admit out loud. Or somebody said, it's like you broke into my house 
and started reading my diary. If I didn't believe in prophecy before, now I have to believe in prophecy. I've heard probably half a dozen or so people coming to me just saying, when somebody prayed for me, this is what happened. And it's also the Lord can say, I see, I know, I care. And it's each one of you that He sees and knows and He cares about. No exceptions. Don't believe that lie. Again, it's personal as well as powerful. So He calls, He knows. Third, He leads. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Well, we can follow Him because He's leading us somewhere. And again, it's like when you're a kid and you all pile into the family car. You don't know where you're going, but you don't care. Dad or mom, they're at the wheel. They know where they're going. Can you trust your life to the Lord? Can you trust Him for the direction of your life? Can you trust Him with the things that you're not so sure about? I don't, I don't know if I can give that up. I don't know if I can obey you in this. And He's saying, trust me, obey me in this. I've got a really good GPS. It's called God's perfect sovereignty. It won't fail you. Number four. Verse 28, He gives us life. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. So it's the job of a shepherd to give life to the sheep, and in this regard, just taking care of the very physical needs of the sheep, to feed them, to keep them healthy if they get sick or injured in any way. The shepherd takes care of them and keeps them alive. So Jesus, in verse 10, He says, I've come to give you life. I've come to give you life abundantly. And He describes it here in verse 28. He says, it is eternal life that I've come to give you. He's come to give us something deeper than… He's come to do something deeper than just feed our stomachs and keep us alive. He's actually come to feed our heart's deepest longings, and He's come to feed them with His own presence. The feast that He's calling us to, we feast on Himself. He's calling us to this eternal feast with a joy that will never run out and never be diminished. I know it's hard for us to wrap our minds around that, but it will not just be eternally long. It will, it will be eternally rich, eternally deep. He has come to give us eternal life. Number five, I'm actually going to steal from the Revelation passage, a beautiful passage, right? Our shepherd heals us, he redeems. So in that passage, we heard that the Lamb who is in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd. He will guide them to streams of living water, and God Himself will wipe every tear from their eyes. And this year in preparation, or this week, uh, what particularly stood out to me was that word, every. You see, on that day, the Lord will bring you near, and He said, Let, let's talk about things. And He's going to go back through your life. He's going to walk through every moment of your life. He's going to show you what was really going on. And every sorrow, every sadness, every loss, every wound will be like a tear. And, and as you see your life and as the tears are coming, He's wiping them away. He's redeeming. He's healing the wounds. He's going to help you make sense of every time in this life you've cried out, why, God? He's going to help you make sense of it on that day. But more than just make sense, He's going to make you whole every tear on that day. And finally, the shepherd, He protects. Back to John 
Verse 28, I give them eternal life. They will never perish. I will protect them from death. Death will not be your shepherd. I will be your shepherd, and I will protect you from death. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who's given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. What a promise. What assurance. What security. Imagine if it were up to you to have enough strength to make it on your own. That would be terrifying. But He is strong enough. And the Bible tells us that he who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world, referring to the evil one. So in and through all that the shepherd does, he proves that he is capable of caring for and that he has the compassion he cares about his sheep, each and every one of us. That's his part. What's our part? Our part is a bit simpler, thanks be to God. Go back again to verse 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Our job is to listen and to follow. So when it says that we hear His voice, certainly this means there's more going on than simply sound waves reverberating against our inner ear. It means that we are understanding. It implies that we're taking it in and that there's some kind of action. We're not just hearing what He's saying. We're obeying. We're responding to it. Our lives are being shaped by His voice, the course of our lives is being shaped by His direction and guidance. We are responding. We're listening to Him. It also indicates a measure of intentionality. The original language, it, it is present tense continually. So it could be translated, my sheep are listening continually, always. And I wondered as I was preparing back to the shepherds. They all have their own unique call, their own melody. What is the melody of Jesus? What's His sound? What's His song like? And I, I think I would put all my chips on this one. I think His song is this, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His song is love. The love of God God's love for you. That's what you're listening for. As a sheep listening for his voice, you're listening for his love song that he sings out over you continually. I think about Galatians 2, 20, where Paul says, the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me, who loved me. Paul is not ashamed to get very personal and very intimate about this. Yes, Jesus died for the whole world. Paul says, he also died for me. He gave himself up for me. The true sheep are those who follow Jesus because they've heard him say, I love you. I died for you, and there is nothing that I would not do for you. There's a story that one of uh, the 20th century's uh, most influential theologians was asked near the end of his life. So of all that you've read, all that you've studied, what's the most profound and astonishing thing you've ever come across, you've ever heard? And according to the story, he responded by singing, Jesus loves me, this I know. Now, some of you maybe have this objection. It feels a little me-focused right now. That makes me uncomfortable. Well, if, if that's you, let me help you out. When I say that we're listening for God's love song over us, what is actually happening 
is that we're really just eavesdropping in on the love between the Father and the Son. This is an eternal love. It is truly unfathomable. It's incomprehensible. You and I can't even begin to understand the force of this love, the power of this love, the beauty of this love. The whole universe depends upon, hangs upon the love between the Father and the Son. It is the fact of the universe. And so for us to listen to God's love song over us is for us to recognize that this is the Father and the Son and their eternal song of love turning to us and saying, do you want to be a part of this? Do you want to be brought into this? We want to share this with you. So to my fellow sheep, to listen for His voice means that we listen first for His love before everything else. Yes, His voice is the voice of authority. It is the voice that in creation commanded everything and it came to be. It is the voice that Psalm 29 describes as the voice that thunders over the waters. It breaks the cedars. The voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. The voice of the Lord strips the forest bare. Or in Psalm 46, He utters His voice, the earth melts. And in Jesus, it is the voice that rebuked demons and calmed the raging sea. And as Jesus himself said earlier in the Gospel of John, he says, the time is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and they will live. That's power. That's command. That's authority. This is the voice of command and authority that upholds the universe by the word of power. And yet... When he speaks to his sheep, his voice is gentle, like a melody on a reed pipe. So when you come to him in prayer this week, before anything else, take a few minutes to pause, quiet yourself, listen. I want you to listen for one thing first, the voice of his love, the words of his love over you. See if you can hear it. When you come to prayer this week, focus there first. When you read the Bible this week, whether you've read three verses or three chapters, this week I want you to do something. The first thing you do after you've read the Bible is I want you to stop and just say, okay, what does this passage that I've just said, read, what does it tell me about the love of God for me? You see, when you come to God, one of the things that He wants to do, He's most eager to do, is He wants to build up your identity as a son or a daughter. And any voice that doesn't begin with love, any voice that's not couched in love, not framed in love, not saturated with love for you, that is not the voice of the enemy, or that's not the voice of the Lord. It is the voice of the enemy. It's the voice of a stranger. Run away. So we listen first for the voice of love. Then we follow. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. Now, it's not just follow as in follow the leader. It is that he's out ahead of us. He's our master. We're following after him in the way that he leads. But it's also follow in the sense of imitate me. Follow my example. I want you to care for the sheep. I want you to care about the sheep. At the end of, of John 21, where, where Jesus is reinstating Peter, you can almost think of it as, as Peter's ordination service. Every ordination, we ask questions. Jesus just has one question that he asks three times. Do you love me? 
Peter says, yes. And then Jesus says, feed my sheep. Take care of my lambs. Feed my sheep. That was Jesus' homily for Peter's ordination service. Take care of my sheep. And what Jesus wants for you is He wants you to love others with the love that you have received from Him. He wants you to shepherd others even as He has shepherded you. So whether you're a res group leader or you're just a part of a res group, whether you're serving in res youth or our children's ministry, whether you're in Sanctity of Life or Replanted or the Good Neighbor Team or you serve in the Meals Ministry or on Sunday morning worship or anywhere you serve at Resurrection or it could be in the informal, unofficial ways that you are helping to care for the flock of God here at Resurrection, you are called to help care for this church, to shepherd. And if you're called to be a father or a mother, or with your coworkers, or whether you're a teacher or a nurse or you're an owner of a music school, as a neighbor, as a worker, whatever station of life you find yourself in, this is what the Lord has called you to do. He said, I've ordained you, I've set you apart to be a shepherd, to care for my sheep and to care about them. So feed them, strengthen them when they're weak, bind up the injuries, heal the sick, when you see someone going astray, go after them. When you find those who are just utterly lost, rescue them. And in whatever way you have authority, exercise your authority with gentleness. But I know that of my own, I'm not a capable shepherd. I'm not a compassionate shepherd enough. I know that it runs out pretty quickly for me, and that's why it must be, for you and for all of us, it must be Christ in me loving His own. Why? Because otherwise, you'll look upon your brother and your sister, you'll look upon others, and they will always be someone else's sheep and not your own. And if I'm looking off on somebody else and they are somebody else's sheep, that makes me a hired hand at best or worse. So I need the Holy Spirit in me. I need Christ in me so that I can see them and love them as Jesus himself loves and cares for his own sheep. So are there relationships in your life where God has asked you to be a shepherd, but recently you've been more like a hired hand? You're anxious to clock out, to check out. You're more concerned to feed yourself first, and you've neglected to feed and to care for those that God has given you. Or maybe you've not protected them from the wolves, or, or even worse, perhaps you've been like a wolf to them. You've taken advantage of those that God has asked you to care for. Or perhaps you're doing the tasks of caring for, you're meeting physical needs, you're meeting practical needs, but you're doing it without the compassion of the shepherd. You don't really care about them. Wherever that touches on you this morning, and it touches on every single one of us, let us come to the table this morning and ask for the Holy Spirit to do this. Renew Christ in me, the Good Shepherd. Maybe that you want to make a confession uh, during uh, our prayer time, the two prayer ministers on the sides, or come find a priest or clergy, especially if that word about the wolf applies to you. I encourage you, repent. Let us all together repent and be forgiven. And then being renewed in Him today at the table, let us strive to love and to care for one another with the strength of our Good Shepherd. Amen. Thanks for listening. 
Our vision at Church of the Resurrection is to equip everyone for transformation. As part of that vision, we love to share dynamic teaching, original music, and stories of transformation. For more of what you heard today, check out the rest of our podcast. To learn more about our ministry, visit churchres.org.